Please turn with me to our text this morning, which comes from the Gospel of Mark, as we will be looking at, once again, the parable of the sower, which comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Hear with me then, brothers and sisters, the reading of God's Word. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it has no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and it produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And He said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive. And may indeed hear but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. And He said to them, Do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. All these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the Word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the Word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the Word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the Word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Thus far is the reading of God's Word. I want to begin this morning by briefly looking back over the things we looked at last week concerning the, the parable of the sower. Now we said that the parable contains really three key elements. 
you have the sower, you have the seed, and you have the soils. Now we said that the sower is Christ, and by extension, ministers today who proclaim the gospel. We said that the seed is the Word of God, and the soils are the hearts of the hearers. And last week I gave you the the three points of our sermon, although I was only able to get through point one, which was the unprepared soils. And then so today we're going to get through the rest of it and we're going to cover points two and point three. Now point two, as I said last week, is the prepared soil. And point three then is the difference in preparation. So in point one then we looked at these Three types of unprepared soils that Jesus describes to us. And all three of these soils represent three responses to hearing the word, which are although forged out of the same kind of heart. And we know that because Jesus explains to us what these three soils represent, or who they represent unbelievers, the unbelieving heart, the the hearts that are unbroken by the Word of God. And so the first soil we read of lay upon the, the road or upon the path. Jesus says these are the people who hear the Word, but immediately Satan comes and he chokes out the Word. And the example that I gave to you of this would be someone who who came to church to hear the Word, but really didn't have any interest in the message. Perhaps they were coming for some other reason. Maybe they they just felt it's the right thing to do. They grew up coming to church. They felt, now as an adult, it's the right thing to do. I should just come to church. Perhaps others were coming because they were pressured by a spouse or a family member. So they came to church, but they had no interest in the message. And so they came in knowing that much, and they, they left knowing not much as well. Not taking with them anything that they've learned. For it, it took up no, no root. It established no root in their heart. The next soil we talked about then was the rocky ground. And Jesus interprets for us the rocky ground as those who, who hear the Word. And at first, they, they joyfully receive it, don't they? But then after time, after a while, there was, we, we discovered there was no root in them because as soon as, as trouble comes their way, as soon as challenge and trial arrives, what were we told happens? Right? They, they fall away. They fall away. And the example I gave here was someone who, who perhaps was told by a friend, you know, our, I know that you're experiencing these troubles. I know that you're going through tough times. But I want you to know that, that, that God wants you to be happy and He will take all these things away. You ought, to, you ought to come to my church. And so they come. Not because they ever heard the Gospel and believed. Not because they expressed sorrow and repentance over their sin. But they come to find out if what they were told is true. Will Jesus really take away all of my trouble? Will He take away all of my pain? Will He make my life easy and happy? And so when they hear the Word, what happens? It superficially sits on their heart, doesn't it? But again, takes no root in them. And we know this, for as soon as trouble starts to come, 
as soon as their faith is tested, they wither and they fall away, proving they were never believers to begin with. And then the last soil that we read about is the thorny ground. And this thorny ground we read, likewise, heard the Word. And it appears that they accepted the Word, that perhaps some of their life even conformed to the teachings of Christ. And yet only for a little while. For their true love was never Christ, but rather the world. And so they sought after riches. They sought after possessions. They sought after their own will and desires. They chased after those things that would make them happy. And those things that would make them most happy were not the things of Christ. And the result of all three of these soils was this. They heard the Word, but none of them received it. None of them accepted it. And all of them were unfruitful. And so the question then we have to ask is why? Why is that? If the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the intentions of the, and the thoughts of your heart, why does it not transform and convert every single person who hears it? Is it a failure on the Word's part? Is it a failure of the Word of God? Right? Or does the failure lie with the sower? Or does the failure lie with the soils? Well, the failure certainly can't lie with the sower, can it? For the sower is Christ. Likewise, the failure does not lie in the seed, does it? For the seed is the Word of God. It is divine revelation. No. Both sower and seed in this parable stay the same, don't they? The only factor that changes are the soils. It is man's sinful, wicked heart that rejects the free offer of the Gospel in Christ that is the problem. There, their heart is where the failure lies. But not every soil is like this. We read in verse 8 that other seed fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And in verse 20, Jesus describes what this good soil represents, saying this, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the Word and accept it. And they bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And so I want you to see here in verse 20 that Jesus really describes three characteristics that make up the good soil. The first is that they, they hear the Word. They hear the Word. He's, he's saying being in church and hearing the Word is essential. Being in church is essential. You can hear the Word if you forsake the assembly. And yet how many do? Right? How many professing Christians forsake the assembly? You must be in church in order to hear the Word of God. And so often, though, you, you hear the response, especially to you Calvinists, right? that if you believe in God's sovereign election, 
What does it matter what people do anyway? Aren't they going to be saved regardless of the fact? And I think Heidelberg Catechism question 65 gives us a good answer and a good response to this. The question is, where does faith come from? And the answer that we have in question 65 is from the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the Gospel. Right. So the answer to the question, isn't everyone who is elect going to be saved? The answer is yes. But then the question is, well, how does that come about though? And we are told it comes about through the preaching of the Word. So if you aren't at church, you can't hear the preaching of the Word. God has appointed means to bring about His sovereign will. And the Gospel is the means that God has used to save sinners. And He has entrusted it to His ministers to proclaim in church. This is why it's important that people find right, good Bible-believing, Gospel-preaching, God-exalting churches. But as we see, that just a mere hearing of the Word will not suffice. The first three soils all heard the Word, didn't they? And yet it brought about no change. No conversion happened to them. No transformation. Here's that second characteristic then that makes up the good soil. They accept the Word. Not only do they hear the Word, but they accept the Word. You see, there's a big difference between knowing something or hearing something and accepting something, isn't there? We're told that all people know that God exists, but not all people accept that God exists, right? This is why we have atheists and agnostics. You might read somewhere about history. You might read that about the Holocaust. You might be told about it. You might know about it. But then you have those out there who are called Holocaust deniers, right? Because they don't accept what they've heard, what they've been told. You have flat earthers. Those who are taught in school that the that the, the earth is round or, or more of an ellipsoid, spherical. Right? But they, they hear that, but they don't accept it. Right? They don't receive it. They hear it, they know it, but they don't believe it. People can hear that, that in Christ you have forgiveness of sins and everlasting righteousness and salvation. They can hear it. But so many don't receive it and accept it and believe it to be true. They don't with all their heart believe it. But Jesus says, this is a crucial distinction between the soils. This is a crucial distinction between those three soils and the one good soil. Right? Acceptance of the Gospel. Acceptance of the Gospel. Which means the acknowledgement of vital truths about the person and work of Christ. Which means what? It means that knowledge is, ex- is essential to acceptance. Knowledge is essential to acceptance. And this is important because so many times, I don't know about if this has happened with you, but with me, I've, I've talked to people. They've said, you know, you say you believe the Gospel. You know, why do you believe the Gospel? And they'll say, I just feel it's true. I just 
I feel in my heart that, that it's true. But here in the parable, the Gospel is not a feeling, but it's the Word of God. And that's important for all of us as we sit here to recognize because feelings come and go. One day, we feel good, happy, excited. The next day, we're miserable, miserable to be around. We're unhappy. We're angry. We're mad. Our faith does not rely on feelings, but in the Word of God. Right? We don't place our trust in feelings. That's why so many fall away. Because the feeling that they once had is now gone. This is what we read in the, in the, in the, in the rocky ground. Right? They felt joy. They experienced joy. But what happens? When troubles come and the joy they had left, they, they faded away. They, they fell away from the truth because their feeling was no longer the same. It's by faith. Faith comes through hearing, not by feeling that we receive Jesus Christ. And what great news is that to each and every one of us as we sit here today? That our faith is grounded in someone who does not change. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What great news is it to know that our faith is established in historical events that can never be altered. Our faith is grounded in the person and work of Christ and what He accomplished in His life, death, burial, and resurrection. Now the last characteristic of the good soil we read then is that it is fruitful. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Now there are two things that I want you to see here. The difference between these three unprepared soils and the one good soil. Right? We read that the three unprepared soils, they heard the word, but they did not accept it, and so they did not bear fruit. The good soil heard the word, accepted the word, and thus bore fruit. And so we see that fruitfulness is a result of faith. Right? Those that did not have faith did not produce fruit. Those who had faith produced fruit. Now, the second thing that I want you to see is that all who received the Word and obeyed bore fruit, but they did so by, to different degrees, to varying degrees. Right? We learn that not everyone produces fruit to the same degree, yet all Christians produce fruit. This is why, brothers and sisters, we ought not to be comparing ourselves one to another. You shouldn't be looking at your neighbor and saying, oh, I produce more fruit than them, but ah, i got to catch up with this guy. He produces a little more than me. No, we're not to do that. Instead, we ought to be diligent, making sure that we are as fruitful as possible with what God has given to us and to the capacity that He has given us. Which means we must often engage in what's called self-examination. We need to examine ourselves often and ask ourselves the question, am I being a good steward of the graces God has given to me? Am I being a good steward of the graces God has given to me? Or am I letting them collect dust? 
Am I not using them? Am I allowing them to just waste away? And yet, although, brothers and sisters, our, our fruitfulness varies, we all bear the same kind of fruit. And you know why that is? Because we all share in the same Spirit. And what is the, the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and lastly, gentleness. I count on my fingers to make sure I got them all. Paul tells us this, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So some of you here, you might have more patience than someone else. Someone else might be more peaceable than you. Some might have more self-control than others. But we all have the same fruit of the Spirit. So the question is, are you seeing that fruit of the Spirit increase in your life? Are you seeing an increase day by day and year by year? Because if you're not, then there are really only two reasons why. If you're not seeing any fruit, you must question, am I even a believer to begin with? And yet, if you've had fruit, and let's say you've had fruit for 20 years, and all of a sudden, it started to stall. You have to ask yourselves, how much time Am I giving myself to the Word of God? How much time am I in the Word reading and praying and spending with God? For we are renewed, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can't stop having your minds renewed. And your minds are renewed through hearing and reading and praying and spending that time with God. And so perhaps you have become unfruitful through the years because you've become less and less a diligent studier and reader and saint. So we have to be introspective, brothers and sisters. We have to ask, you know, why am I still on this milk when I ought to be chewing this solid food? Because we were saved into Christ Jesus Four good works. This is what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2. And so you shouldn't be fine with doing the least amount with the graces God has given you. But rather, you ought to strive to do the absolute most that you can do with whatever graces God has given to you. Which means we need to pursue greater knowledge. There isn't a time where we stop and say, oh, we've got enough. No, you are to constantly be pursuing greater knowledge. Constantly be pursuing greater growth so that you may exhibit greater fruit. But what's the cause? What's the determining factor if one accepts and bears fruit? Right? Wherein lies that difference? And here and then we come to the, to the third point today, which is the difference in preparation. Now we ask, wherein lies the difference? Because we see that the three soils, they, they heard the word, but they don't accept it. Only one does. So, so why is that? Why, why do, or do we read that there are three types of heart that re- hear the word and reject it, and that there's one that hears the word and accepts it? Well, we have a few different options. We can say that the difference is found in the soils. We could say the difference is found in the soils. Perhaps some hearers are just smarter than others. 
Maybe they're just smarter. They get it. Perhaps you might say that those who believe just have better preachers than other people. Right? They have their preacher's better, so their preacher knows how to, how to preach the word, proclaim the word, so that they would believe. And sadly, brothers and sisters, isn't this the way that many people think? God has, has given everyone the same amount of grace, provenient grace to all. God has done His 99%. Now it's your turn to do your 1%. Or how many ministers were out there? And they think to themselves, you know, how many people can I get converted? Right? It's up to me. And so they strategize and use different techniques to get people to come and make professions of faith. But neither is the reason that this parable gives to us for why some accept the Word and others don't. But rather, the reason is what Jesus says in verse 11. He says, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. You see, the difference is that God has given divine grace to some so that they might accept the Word. And He has not given it to others. It has nothing to do with who is smarter or else many of us wouldn't be here today, right? Myself included. As we read in the Gospel this morning, right? Jesus takes what's lowly, what's despised. Those who don't appear that smart, right? And those are the ones He chooses. Right? We don't accept or not based on the creativity of the minister who is proclaiming the Word. But rather, it has everything to do with the will of God. You see, the human heart is like these three soils in so many ways. The soils could produce nothing of themselves. The soil simply just laid there on the ground, hard and unbroken. It was only until the sower came and took that patch of ground and tilled it that it was able to accept the Word. And the reason why the other soils did not receive that seed is because the Lord did not till that ground. And so Jesus' answer to why some accept and some don't lies in the power of the sower, not in the power of the soils. None of the soils could prepare themselves. None of the soils could change their own nature. Someone had to come along and do the work. And just in the same way, Jesus teaches us by this parable that no sinner can change their own nature. No sinner can prepare themselves to receive the Word of God. Only Jesus does that. Our hearts are just like this soil. It needs to be worked upon. And it was Christ the sower who broke that ground and allowed that seed to sink down and to take root. And in such the same way, it is Christ the sower who breaks down the hardness of of our heart so that the Word of God would sink down deep into it and take root so that we might bear fruit. You see, one point that this parable is getting at is that we have a heart issue. We have a heart issue. Our heart has no room for God's Word to dwell. We don't want God's Word to establish any root in our hearts. We're fine with just hearing it. And so we must be made ready to receive the Word. 
We have to be prepared to receive it and to accept it. And we are prepared through regeneration. Through the work of the Spirit, which precedes faith. We are prepared by the work of the Spirit through regeneration, which precedes faith. Here we come back to that question 65 on where does faith come from? Right? The, what was the answer? From the Holy Spirit who works it in our hearts by the preaching of the Word. Right? That heart of stone must be removed and we must be given that heart of flesh so that then we can exercise ourselves in faith. You see, brothers and sisters, our, our haughty hearts must be humbled. Our pride must be purged. Our sin must be exposed. Our sorrow must become apparent. Our repentance must become confessed. Our hearts must be made tender. Our minds must be renewed in order to receive and cherish the Word. Or else we never will. And we see this in the example we were given in Acts 16. And we're told, Paul speaks to this woman. And that woman's name is, is Lydia. And we're told in verse 14 that as Paul spoke to her, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul had said. And if you are a believer here today, that is the very same thing that God has done for you. You did not bring any goodness, any worthiness before God in exchange for your faith. But rather, out of God's electing love, He caused you to pay attention and to accept the great and glorious Gospel. He spoke to your heart, enlightening the eyes of your heart, so that, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, so that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. Brothers and sisters, has He spoken to your heart? through His Gospel, so that you now know the hope that you have been called to. Either He has or He has not. You see, although there are four soils, they fall into one of two categories. Unprepared soil or prepared soil. Unbelieving hearts or believing heart. Or as Jesus says in verses 11 through 13, right? Those who perceive and hear and those who don't. And it's interesting here, this, these verses, 11 through 13, that, that kind of interrupt the parable that Jesus is telling. Please look with me there real quick. Starting at verse 11. We read this, and Jesus said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may see, that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand the parable? How then will you understand all the parables? You see, verse 12 here is taken from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10. And in both cases, in Isaiah and here in Mark, right, the word is used in order that it might harden already hard hearts. Right? The word is used for the purpose of hardening hard hearts. And don't we see that in these first few chapters of Mark? There are a lot of hard hearts, aren't there? 
We have scribes who just came down from Jerusalem last chapter in order that they might accuse Jesus of working by the power of Satan. And what does Jesus do? What does He do? He continues to preach. He doesn't say, I'm not going to waste my breath because I know they aren't going to listen. But rather, He continues to preach the Word so that it may continue to harden their hearts by their unbelief. And that is the only difference, brothers and sisters, between those who continually harden their hearts and those who don't. It's what Jesus says in verse 11. To you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom. The difference is that God graciously gave to some knowledge of the mystery. And that mystery is that salvation has come in the person of Christ. And with Christ, the kingdom and its power has come. Now a mystery implies something is hidden. If I have a secret, you don't know it unless I reveal it to you. And so Jesus says what? No one can come to me unless the Father draws him to me. No one can come into the Son unless the Son first reveals it to him. Unless he whispers in the sinner's ear the truth of the Gospel and buries it deep into their hearts. This is at the core of what the parable teaches us today. We are sinners. We by nature have hard hearts. And it's only Christ who can change the heart and take us out from the kingdom of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of God. And yet, brothers and sisters, if you have ever shared the Gospel with anyone, isn't this a burden-lifting reality? Isn't this a burden-lifting reality? How many of us have, have had those thoughts? If only I could make the word easier for my mother or father or brother or sister understand. They couldn't deny it. They would be forced to accept it. If only I could do that. Parents feel this over their unconverted children. Ministers feel this over their congregation. If only I could reach the congregation. But I like the way that uh, Pastor John MacArthur what he said he usually does or, or his approach to this. I listened to it once. I tried to go back and find it as he was talking about the parable of the sower and I couldn't find it. So I'll paraphrase for you what he said. But he said that his approach is that he just sows and he sleeps. He sows and he sleeps. He doesn't worry one bit, he says. He is just the sower. He's out there just casting the seed, casting the seed. To all who will hear. And then he goes to sleep. Knowing that God will do what He will with the Word. He will establish roots of faith in some. And He will harden others with it. But that is God's business. That's God's business. And this is the mindset, brothers and sisters, we all must have. We have to stop trusting in our own ways. We have to stop trusting in ourselves. We have to stop trying to reinvent the wheel and just trust in God's ways and how He sees fit to reach people. And that means not trying to make up our own seed. Stop trying to create your own seed. Use the seed that you have been given. The Word of God has been handed down to you. That faith, once for all, delivered to the saints. Cast that seed forth. Cast that seed forth. 
Proclaim it to the hearers. Sit back and then watch the Word of God work. Today, success in ministry is often viewed as a numbers game. But if we truly believe and understand what this parable is teaching, that's not the case, is it? Ministers aren't to be measured by how large the crowd or how many hearers. Ministers are to be measured by observing the command. And this is the command that Paul gives Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Ministers plant and water every week, but it's God who causes the growth. So as we draw to a close this morning, I ask, what type of soil are you? Are you that soil that's set upon the road? Are you that, that rocky ground, that thorny ground, or are you the good soil? Is your heart unbroken by the Word? Or has your heart been tilled and cultivated so that it now may flourish as you hear the Word of God? Remember, there is only one seed and one sower. That sower is Christ and the seed is a message about Him. And so has the Gospel, has that message about Christ taken root in your hearts. Jesus says, one way that you may know that it has is that you bear fruit. Fruit is what God expects from every one of you who He has graciously and generously caused to receive and accept His saving Word. Brothers and sisters, please bow your heads to me. Father, we thank You that You have revealed Your Word to sinners such as us. That there was nothing worthy in us for You to reveal it. It was simply Your electing love of us from all of eternity that has caused You to make the mystery of the Gospel known to us. We pray, Lord, that as a church here, we would be faithful. That we would be faithful as we tell others about the Gospel. That we would proclaim the Gospel here from the the pulpit and no other. That we would trust not in ourselves, but trust in God. That His ways are righteous and good and they will bring about the result that He desires. And so, Father, we thank You. We pray that You would impress upon us the truths of this Word this day. We thank You for making us that good soil. And we pray, Lord, for any that are here that are described in the rocky soil or the thorny soil or the soil that's set on the road, that, Father, You likewise, through the Holy Spirit, would work faith in their heart. And so, Father, we come before You. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.